Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. God is so good. You know, um, I do want to encourage you. We've got lots of opportunity. This is a giving time. Uh, as Braden said earlier, uh, we receive our offering for the uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This is for international missions that goes around the world uh, so that we can tell others about the gospel. And what a, a blessing it is. I hope that you will help us to reach our goal. We have a goal of 4019 and uh, we're about uh, 1,500 into that, so uh, if you want to give, we'll be collecting that through the end of the year. Also, uh, at the start of this next year, we're going to, um, we have our connect groups that will be starting up again after the end of this year, and so uh, there's some sign-ups out in the Great Hall. If you're not a part of a connect group, those connect groups are ways that we can study God's Word together, that we can fellowship together uh, on Sunday evenings. Uh, and we gather and uh, we just draw fellowship from that. If you really want to get to know people in this body, that's a great way to do it, uh, to spend time together. And uh, I hope that you will uh, make yourself available for that. The other thing that I want to talk about is, um, for just a moment, is the, the sock drive that we had um, for uh, homeless people in Seattle. Um, what a blessing it was. We uh, put bins out and y'all brought warm socks. And uh, we collected 118 pairs of socks. And uh, I know there was a difference in the number, I'm going to tell you. I was in my office and, and somebody come by and I had just counted the socks. I'd gone around, pulled all of them in, was counting them, we got them all counted. There was 118. There was a knock on my door outside my office. And so I go to the door and there's a couple of gentlemen there and one of them's got a big box in his hand. And he says, uh, we heard you need some socks. And he's a member of our church, okay? I'm not going to. They both are. And uh, they, uh, they brought 180 pair of brand new socks, okay? Warm socks, the thick kind. And they, ga they gave them. And so we were able to ship out 298 pairs of socks, okay? Someone else, when they, when, when they saw somebody deliver that many socks, you know what they did? They said, Brother Ridge, I want to pay for the shipping for all of those socks. And they paid for the shipping. Now, I didn't know where we were shipping them to. I didn't have the address in Seattle. And so I'm contacting the pastor of Epic Life, Epic Life Baptist Church up there in, in Seattle, Epic Life Church. And um, I asked him for his... Uh, that's what I said. I said, we have a couple hundred pairs of really warm socks to send your way if you would kindly send me your shipping address. I said, thank you for loving on people in Seattle. We believe in you and the valuable work that you are doing, praying for you, your family, and your ministry. And this is what he wrote back. May get your tissues ready. He said, wow. He said, thank you so much for this. It is so encouraging. We actually had one of our homeless men have all ten toes amputated because of the frostbite. Wet socks, wet toes in cold weather, not a good combination. Ministry in Seattle is super tough. But your encouragement makes it possible. Folks, that's to your credit and for his glory. 
You know, it's amazing. There's other opportunities that we have. And you know, God sends opportunities to those who use them. I mean, why would he send opportunities to people who aren't going to do anything with them? He sends opportunities to those who will use them. I, I have another opportunity, and, and we can move towards this in this coming year. I have a group of inmates who are incarcerated in Ohio. They want to knit blankets for the Reuben house in Honduras. They've already started. They just need yarn. So, as we continue to use the opportunities God gives us, you'll be hearing more about that forthcoming. But I just want to encourage you, when God puts something before you, Move in that direction, and you will see God at work. You know, it's amazing to see. Anybody here in a hurry? No? You ready to hear the truth? You ready to hear the word of God? All right. I mean, if you, if you got to go, you got to go. I get it. But I'm also bringing it. I didn't get to preach last Sunday. So you get a double portion today. You know, this, this morning I wanted to speak on, on what Christmas means to me. And, and I, I really, um, this is exciting because I know that this is something very near and dear to my heart. And um, I, 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 in, in starting with this message, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to open your, your, your scripture up to that, your word, um, Luke chapter 2. You know, in 1858, a scientific expedition passed through part of our country that we know today as the Grand Canyon. And a young lieutenant, he made his entry in his report. He said, this region is altogether valueless. It can be approached only from the south, and after entering it, there is nothing to do but leave. It should be forever unvisited and undisturbed. 1858. 1863, when Abraham Lincoln delivered his Gettysburg Address, the newspaper editor for the Harrisburg uh, paper there, he wrote this. He said, we pass over the silly remarks of the president. For the credit of the nation, we are willing that the veil of oblivion shall be dropped over them and that they shall never more be repeated or thought of. 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in Bethlehem. Neither the Roman reporter nor the Bethlehem Daily News picked up the story. I mean, life went on as normal, and if a reporter had interviewed the citizens of Bethlehem the next morning, they would have agreed nothing significant happened last night. It was just another night. And you think about all three of these situations, all three of these stories, they're tied together with, with a thread of continuity. And that continuity is this, it is an unawareness and an insensitivity to the significance of the events to which they were exposed. You see, these people, they didn't recognize what was happening in front of them at the time. They had no idea the significance 
of the Grand Canyon. I mean, the Grand Canyon is one of the most visited places in our country today. The Gettysburg Address is one of the most memorized speeches that has ever been given. And the relatively unknown birth that happened in Bethlehem, well, it proved to be the most significant moment in all of history. I mean, literally, the event which is the pivotal point of the history of the entire earth for all people everywhere in every generation. It is the pivotal point that this baby was born in Bethlehem. Read with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, in the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Continuing on, verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to them, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that had been, they had seen and heard and seen, just as had been told them. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. <coughs> I thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Father, I thank, that you, I, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to, to be born of a virgin. Father, to, to grow up and live a sinless life. Father, to take our punishment on the cross. Our sins. Father, to pay the price so that we could be forever with you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide us, that even now, you would convict our hearts. Father, that you would show us those areas that, that Jesus must reign over in our lives. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever considered why the text does not read, now there were in the, that region... Scribes and Pharisees keeping watch over their scrolls and religious rituals. I mean, doesn't that seem like who 
Jesus would first appear to as the scribes and Pharisees, those who were religious. Or maybe why the text doesn't say there were in the same region kings and princes keeping watch in their palaces. But no, it says there were shepherds in that region. There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. I mean, God chose to reveal the Savior of the world to simple shepherds who were outside doing their job. Why shepherds? I mean, that God chose simple shepherds to be the first to announce his, the birth of his son. To be the first ones to reveal that. Seems kind of strange by human standards. Especially in Israel. Because shepherding was a lowly task. I mean, think about this. Shepherds had not been schooled in the law. And they were considered ignorant. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. And according to the Mishnah, shepherds were under a ban. They were regarded as thieves and the only people lower than shepherds at that particular time in society and in Jewish history were lepers. According to one Jewish essay, shepherds were not trustworthy enough to even be counted and used as a witness in the court of law. According to another, help was not to be offered to a shepherd or to the heathen. So why did God choose shepherds as the first ones to receive the angel's revelation concerning the Messiah's birth? You see, I believe, first of all, that God chose shepherds to show that the gospel is for the simple as well as for the sophisticated. I mean, God puts his cookies down on the, the lowest shelf so everybody can have access to them. It's not just up on the high shelf where only the, those who are educated or those that, 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 are, that are sophisticated can have access to them. But he puts them down low so everyone, because most of the time the sophisticated and the scholarly sometimes miss the truth because they won't stoop and look on the lower shelves. They're looking up here. See, but the beauty of the good news about Christ is that it was first announced to lowly shepherds. I mean, they probably couldn't read and write. I don't know. They weren't what we might call leadership material. But God's love in Christ was extended to them. Folks, this is a wonderful illustration of God's grace. His incredible favor that's bestowed on those who do not and could not ever merit his favor. I mean, in this sense, these anonymous shepherds represent all of humanity. Because we are all undeserving and we are all in desperate need of God's amazing grace. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. See, we, like these shepherds, are all, so to speak, ceremonially unclean. 
Our hearts and our consciences are rendered unclean by our many trespasses and sins. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Listen, God comes only to those who sense their need. See, in a land of plenty, in a land where we have everything that we need, in a land where our needs are met, we don't see our own need for Jesus Christ. But every one of us on that day when we stand before Almighty God, we will see our need for Jesus Christ. It's hard to see when we have money in the bank, when our, our, we have a roof over our head, when we have a warm place to sleep. But folks, that's not the way it is in the rest of the world. That's why we send socks to Seattle. Because some people don't have what we have. God comes only to those who sense their need. He doesn't come to the self-sufficient. See, the gospel is for those who know they need Jesus. See, the danger is that we will miss the gospel because it's so simple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following, Paul writes this. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that you were not many wise according to the flesh, Not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing... You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We can't save ourselves. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. If you've ever tried that, you know it's impossible. But God, Rich in mercy, gave his self, his son, for us. I would say, secondly, that God chose shepherds as the first to receive the good news because the gospel involves the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. It's probable that the very sheep that these men were tending to in the field, they probably were being raised so that they would be used as the Passover lamb in their Passover celebration in a few months. Think about this. It's symbolic that the shepherds who were watching over the Passover lambs would be invited to Bethlehem to view the Passover lamb who would save the world from their sin. 
See, the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. That's what we deserve. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. Is eternal separation from God. Because there's none good. No, not one. Each of us wanders and goes astray. Because we are bent away from God. And towards sin. But God being rich in mercy came even while we were sinners Christ died for us I love that a holy God cannot accept sinners into his presence unless their sin has been atoned for unless their sin has been paid for if he did he would not be a righteous and just God but in his love for us He sent his own son, born sinless through the miracle of the virgin birth to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You remember just like when the Jews, they were delivered from Egypt and God sent the death angel over the land, taking the firstborn of all, unless they had The blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, put on the doorpost of their home. And then the death angel would pass over them. Even so, everyone who applies the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, to their life, will be saved from God's judgment. See, God revealed his good news to shepherds because the gospel is for the simple as well as the sophisticated and the gospel involved the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. The gospel provides us with a good shepherd who at the same time calls us to shepherd others. Is there any other profession in the world that would be as excited about a lamb being born? I don't think so. Shepherds would be excited about a lamb being born. The lamb of God. The irony is that the shepherds have no name. They're not named. They're anonymous. But they were there to hear the announcement of the coming chief shepherd whose name would be above every name. The name of Jesus. An irony of ironies, the shepherds have been exalted as the heroes who first recognized the true meaning of Christmas. They were the ones who recognized God was doing something. He sent his son we got to go tell somebody. we got to go see this thing that happened. I think this is huge. There's a couple of reasons why Christmas meant something to these shepherds. See, Christmas was meaningful to these shepherds because they saw Christ. They saw Christ. Verse 12, 
says, you will, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Verse 15, when the angels had gone away, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened. Verse 17, when they had seen this. See, Christmas had meaning for the shepherds because they saw Christ. You know, in this passage, verse 9, talks about glory. And the glory, it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the glory points toward the visible and the obvious presence of Almighty God. It reminds me of John's description, which all believers one day will be privileged to experience In Revelation 21 it says, And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. See, when God shows up, it's awfully bright. This this glory, this, this angel's appearance is that of splendor and glory. And it was the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah is a translation of the Hebrew word and, and, and transliteration, excuse me, and it means the one who dwells. The, the Shekinah glory of God, the one who dwells. And the root word Shekan means to dwell, and it's very closely related to the word uh, Mishkan, which means tabernacled. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. Jesus came and he dwelt among us. Both of these words are frequently used and associated with the presence of God. His glory, his dwelling with man. And the meaning of the word Shekinah, the one who dwells, reminds us that we did not seek to be with God. But God came here seeking to be with us. Folks, that's huge. Because he reached out to us when we don't deserve it. He he comes to us and he is with us, Emmanuel. And whenever the invisible God becomes visible and whenever the omnipresence of God is localized, this is his Shekinah glory. In the Old Testament, the glory of God in the sanctuary was seen by the priest of the house of Aaron one time a year. The glory of God in the face of Christ is seen by all believers who are all priests unto God. See, the excellency of the indwelling of God in Christ is this. There is in Him a glory as the only begotten of the Father. God is Jesus Jesus is God. (laughs) Let me say that again. God is Jesus and Jesus is God. You see, that's so important because this is seen not with our eyes. This is perceived not by our senses. But in our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a glory which is seen by our faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We have something that is much greater 
than what the Israelites experienced in the Old Testament. We have something more wonderful. We've not seen Jesus raise the dead. We've not seen him cast out devils. We've not seen him hush the winds and calm the waves. But we do see in our mind's eye, we see his holiness without blemish. We see his love for all people that has no boundaries. This is Jesus, the glory of God reigning in him. His truth is higher than any other. His marvelous, surpassing greatness can compare to nothing in this earth. He spoke it all into being. You see, we have seen and we do see His fullness of grace and truth. And we rejoice in the fact that the tabernacling of God amongst humanity in Christ is attended by a more real glory than that of the flame and of the cloud that followed the Israelites that led them. See, the coming down of Christ's love to us, more glorious than the pillar of a cloud, and the passion of our Lord's sacrifice on the cross, more, more wonderful, more excellent than the pillar of fire. See, we're not envious of the children of Israel when we think about that they had this to, to guide them in the wilderness. The manifestations they saw. For we have all this and more in Jesus Christ. The only begotten of the Father. God in the flesh who is with us always even to the end of the world. This should cause us as the Christmas carol says, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night. Oh, holy night. Oh, night divine. I mean, when was the last time when was the last time you fell on your knees in awe, in adoration, in wonder? Or perhaps maybe a better question is have you ever fallen on your knees before Jesus Christ? The one Jesus who gave his life for us. The King of Kings. If not, May God's Spirit supernaturally touch your heart with the truth of the good news <laughs> that Christ was born and that Jesus Christ died for you personally. See, a lot of times we think, well, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. But I'm, what I'm telling you this morning is Christ died for you, he died for you, he died for you, he died for you, and he died for me. He died for us personally. We need to get that. We need to get it. That Jesus Christ came and he died for us personally that we might live with him forever. See, the, the angel's message was one of reassurance and good news. 
He proclaimed the Messiah's birth and he charged the shepherds with going to visit the child. And he gave them a sign that they would find the babe lying in a manger and they discerned the presence of God that night and they went to worship Christ. God is in this. Let's go. So in this season of tinsel, of glitter, of holiday hoopla, and all the festivities. If you can see Christ, it will mean something to you. Lastly, I would say that Christmas was meaningful to the shepherds because they saw Christ, but also because they shared Christ. Verse 17 says, When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. See, Christmas will be meaningful for you. Not by receiving, but by giving. Not by decorating your house with lights, but by coming into the presence of the one whose light is Jesus Christ. And then by sharing that life with those who are in darkness. See, we don't have peace in our lives because we don't know Jesus. We don't have peace in our homes because we don't know Jesus. We don't have peace in our land, in our nation, because we don't know Jesus. Let me tell you, a nation divided cannot stand. We don't know peace. We don't have peace in our land because we don't know Jesus. In the world is darkness. And folks, we have the light. You have the light. You have the light of Jesus Christ in your life. You just need to let it shine. You need to to cast light in the darkness. You need to allow Christ and his peace to to be shining out from you. See, the good news about Jesus is is that he comes to all people, ordinary people, the plain, the ordinary, the outcasts in society. He comes to anyone with a heart that is humble enough to receive him. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, Whatever you've done, you too can have Jesus in your life. Don't think that you need extraordinary qualifications because Jesus will accept you as you are. You know, in just a moment, our praise team is going to come and they're going to sing. 
forests are going to lead us. But before we get in a hurry to get out of here and go home and get back into the, the busyness of the world, after our prayer together, I want to encourage you to continue on in an attitude of prayer. As we individually examine our hearts. I say this because this is very important. Don't rush out of here. Spend some time. In prayer. Asking the Holy Spirit. To examine your heart. Asking the Holy Spirit to convict us. Concerning the truth about ourselves. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and are absolutely convinced of Christ's presence in our lives, then and only then will we stand and sing together, give me Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Father, As we approach Christmas, I ask, Father, that we would grasp you in a deeper way, that we would grasp your amazing gift to us. You, Lord Jesus, broke into human history to offer us the gift of salvation. Instead of a pronouncement of guilt, you offer us an invitation. A welcome of belonging instead of a command to depart from you. Instead of worrying with us, you, you simply said, fear not. Your being, Lord, clarifies our doubts about you and about ourselves. That we know but we can't explain or even express. In return, these fears dissipate. And we are simply left with you. And the wonderful surprise that you alone are more than enough. So we rest. We get still. And we know peace. Because peace comes to us. And calls us by name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are what Christmas means to me. And for that, I thank you. In Jesus' name.